Welcome to the Japan What Podcast, episode 106. It is I, Matthew Bigelow, from MatthewPMBigelow.com. This podcast features AI market trends, Society 5.0, what's that, hmm? Media analysis, odd items, little touch of weird Japan, and more. Cheers, Mr. Listener or Ms. Listener for joining us today. Quite a show lined up. The uh, the heat season's finally over, and uh, I think everybody has been living underneath an air conditioner for at least two months. And uh, every day is thirty six degrees Celsius. Um, and at first, at the beginning of August, let's say, when it really went into high gear, I was very diligent. I was like, "Hmm, this is quite hot. I will believe I will not have any beers in the afternoon." I will have green tea. And I was pretty good with that. But then after two weeks of just constant 36 degrees in the daytime and 33 degrees at night, the threshold is met and everything just goes out the window. You're just sitting on a floor, sweating your balls off. And you're like, well, the only answer is beer, obviously. The only answer is beer. I'm not, I'm not going out anyways. It's not like I'm going out and enjoying the summer. I'm locked in. It's essentially a heat trap, a prison of heat. And the only answer is beer. But anyways, it's getting cooler now and there's all of that. So thank you for joining the uh, the Japan What Podcast. Today we're going to take a look at some uh, strange items, uh, some Fukushima news about the water there. Uh, Society 5.0, which is Japan's kind of all-encompassing term to meet UN Agenda 2030 um, and 2050 net zero emissions using AI and all that. So I kind of say AI markets and I put that into business sometimes, but the Japan Society 5.0 is like an all-encompassing umbrella for these technologies. So instead of just kind of isolating something and saying, oh, look, there's this dot here. Oh, look, there's this other dot here. Like, oh, they're, they're having this... Uh, AI program over here and they're using this IOT thing over here instead of having it in different parts of the brain. I'm trying to put it into the same part of the brain so that there's an all-encompassing analysis for this next generation of technology that's been decided and it's, it's coming. Whether you, whether you like it or not, how we're going to live with it is going to be the choice. Then we also have some eating bugs, some war, de-dollarization and more. But we're going to just kick off today with a couple of um, couple of things here. Three new products, and they're they're odd products. And let's just say, are these are the people that make these odd Japanese products? Are they high or are they not high? High or not high? We have two. Uh, I'm going to focus more on one than the other. The other one is just, I guess, for clickbait for the search engine optimization. Nah, it's actually quite interesting. Three Final Fantasy fourteen whiskeys are on the way with cool nods to the game's starter cities. So I kind of agree with the analysis that some have put forth that we are now living in a nation of kidults. It's um all the, I'm 43 years old, I grew up with Final Fantasy and Final Fantasy, in many ways, is the Star Wars of the of the Gen X, and I guess what would be the um, the Boomer stuff. 
I don't know what the boomer stuff would be like world war two. Like not that's that's the, that's the, anyways, I don't know what the boomer, um, Americana, like, uh, big cars, you know, putting cars on whiskey bottles and then putting star Wars on whiskey bottles. And now it's putting final fantasy characters on whiskey bottles. The generations have moved up and they become longer and longer term kiddles, fewer marriages, fewer kids. And then those that do have kids are still trapped in this, this very um, adolescent existent. Um, this comes to us from Sora News 24, which is the hate read of the week, I guess. We'll just cut, I'll be taking some screenshots. Um, and this is from a, a distillery in town called uh, Amahagan. And it sounds like it's some uh, Isle of Sky thing, and it might be, but I'm pretty sure it's just um, the. Japan's efforts to make more single malt scotch whiskeys now that companies like Yamazaki and Cheetah have cornered the market, they might need some other sounding style whiskeys to separate themselves from within the Japanese market. So let's begin. And again, I'll be posting these up on Matthew, pmbigelow.com. Whiskey number one. The Amahagan edition Ulda, representing the desert metropolis, Ulda's status as crossroads of trades routes where both economic and cultural exchange takes place, is represented by its whiskey being a blended whiskey with its components aged in wine and sherry barrels for a complex and luxurious flavor. The next one, we move to Gridania, which stands in the middle of a dense, sprawling forest. Its unblended whiskey is crafted to accent woody, leafy, and smoky notes, so that sipping it feels like like a wandering walk among the trees. Um, I'll be posting pictures of these to MatthewPMBigelow.com. And finally, we have the port town of Limsa Lominsa. While Luda and Gridania's whiskeys are malt whiskeys, the Limsa Lominsa is a grain whiskey... Uh, Lominsa is a port town and its whiskey's peaty character is meant to evoke thoughts of the sea breeze with a sweet, mellow finish. Uh, of course, in any proper seafaring community in uh, our fantasy RPG, Lominsa has a large pirate population, which is reflected in its whiskey being aged in rum barrels. I like whiskey a lot. Um, I, these actually sound like a decent collection. I don't know. Uh, kind of kid ulti though, putting video game stuff, but uh, it's video games have exceeded the movie industry for a long time. So why not? So that's one thing. Final Fantasy 14 whiskey blend specials. And again, if you want to see the pictures, they will be up at MatthewPMBigelow.com. This next one I thought was a little bit more interesting just because it's, uh, you can kind of, you can kind of predict such things wherever you go in the world. Oh, it's a popular thing and now it's on a drink and it's, this comes to us from the Mainichi, Japan's national daily since 1922 on September 4th. We were recording this on September 5th, 2023. As Japan's travel industry recovers from the coronavirus pandemic and tourists flood back into the country, the Mainichi Shimbun has turned the spotlight on Japan's 47 prefectures to uncover trivia, mostly only known to lo- only locals. In Kagoshima, uh, they have turned troublesome volcanic ash into a hit product by canning it. And thanks to sh- social media hype, the souvenir has recorded explosive sales. This is not Sora News 24. This is the Mainichi. This is the headline. Canned volcanic ash 
erupts into a huge hit for Kagoshima Prefecture. I'm not really sure if they they could have done a better um, pun with the headline there. Yeah, the uh, sales blow up or something like that. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like lava on your balls would be another way. Um, the Sakurajima volcano in Kagoshima Prefecture erupts almost daily, although the location of the ash fall depend on the wind direction. It can also cause irritation to the eyes. It stains laundry, uh, so many houses in the area have indoor clothes drying racks. That's trivia. You never knew you'd think to know you'd need to know. <laughs> so if you want to go stealing underwear, which is a, a common trope amongst uh, the news in Japan, everybody seems to be stealing women's underwear. It might be hard in um, the city of Tarumizu, which is located east of Sakurajima, the volcanic island, because they put all their clothes inside to dry. So they decided to turn this ash problem into an opportunity. Since 2010, the Shiroyama Gakuen Center for People with Intellectual Disabilities has produced cans filled with 100 cc's of volcanic ash, priced at about 110 yen, about 75 cents, a piece, including tax. According to Takuto Kubuto, 29, a support staff member at Shiroyama Gakuen, ash piled up on the rooftops of the city hall. Nearby schools and supermarkets is collected, dried, and filled into cans after debris is removed. The copy on the label roughly translates to 100 cc's of unwanted blessings from the sky. Marketed as a Kagoshima Prefecture souvenir, the product saw steady sales of about 300 cans a month. In the summer of 2022, however, the cans of ash became instantly popular after information about them spread explosively on Twitter. Coupled with the fact that the eruption alert level for Sakurajima was temporarily raised to 5, the highest level that requires evacuation, on July 24th of the same year. The six Shiroyama Gakuen residents who are engaged in the product project are unable to work at full capacity to prevent coronavirus infections, and the product tends to be out of stock at the four stores that sells them. An employee at the Bichinoeki roadside station commented with a wry smile, We get a lot of inquiries about it, though it's just annoying ash for us locals, end quote. They have, there have apparently been inquiries for science teachers to use it as class material, blah, 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 blah. So it goes on. I think this is a good use of um, intellectually disabled labor. Uh, back in the day, you would just send them into an asylum, lock the key, and uh, send some sadistic mother funsters in there to beat them up if they got out of line. Uh, but now we have them collecting volcanic ash, troublesome volcanic ash on the tops of rooftops in areas of Kyushu, southern Kyushu, near Sakurajima. Um, I don't know. Would you buy a Would you buy a can of volcanic ash and give it to somebody as a souvenir for a dollar? It's way better than almost everything. Like you could buy a three thousand yen trinket, and it's like a local craftsperson's resemblance of some sort of animal that lives in the woods. And it's like it lives in the trees, and it's known for its highly productive uh, birth rate. And they are known to travel in families over great distances. And I want to give this to you, and you can put it in your house somewhere. Like, yeah, or they're like, I got this volcanic ash because I was thinking of you. So are these people high or are they not high? What do you think? Is it just high-grade consumerism with 
the finding opportunities for the intellectually disabled, or are they just high? High. Or not high. Let's take a look at the Fukushima water situation here. The Fukushima water situation has been very silly. After Japan released all of their, no, started releasing treated water from the Fukushima zone, which was hit by the tsunami in 2011, an earthquake, and caused a giant meltdown there. Did it? I don't know. I think it did. They started releasing water recently. It went through the International Energy for Atomic Energy Group, or whatever it's called, and the UN's on board. Everybody's on board. And they say, look at this Fukushima water. It's awesome. And then uh, the Prime Minister, Fumio Kishida, went up to Fukushima area and had a bunch of sushi. And him and his... Did he go up there or did he eat it at his presidential office? Anyways, him and his friends sat down and had a big lunch comprised of Fukushima food. And they're like, it's great. But then um, the, whole, the whole thing is silly. The whole thing is silly. And then the news started coming out that people from China were calling Japan and, and complaining. And that's the um, approach. Even though we are releasing all this nuclear water into the ocean and the government says it's safe, us poor Japanese people are receiving nuisance calls from China where they call and complain. And it's really, we've, there's been hundreds and hundreds of these phone calls to us. What are we supposed to do? Uh, we're getting nuisance calls after dumping a whole bunch of totally fine radiation water into the ocean. Oh, poor us, poor us. But then the Chinese side is also silly. Hey, those people are going to release their water. Well, they're going to hear from me. <laughs> As it is some, some t-shirt shop owner from Guangzhou getting on the phone is like, hey, what are you doing? You know, why are you doing that? Ah, I don't agree. That's also silly. The prime minister getting with his buddies and eating a meal from Fukushima. It's, it's all silly. It's, it's very much a, a pony show. But what's not a pony show is the fact that uh, the Chinese government decided to suspend all seafood imports from Japan. Um, and I think that's good because it's going to make more fish cheaper in Japan. It's not good for the, 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 the exporters of the fish who are making a pretty penny on all that, but they don't care about me either. So just looking out for number one here. But um, a lot of uh, fishers are starting to complain in Fukushima because of this real economic impact that they're having. And the Japanese government is doing what it does best in such situations, which is um, giving out free money. Welfare! If you don't like our decisions, we'll give you, uh, we'll cut you in on the action. Again, this comes to us from the Mainichi, Japan's daily since 1922. Japan to give an extra $141 million to fisheries amid Japan, I mean, import China ban from China, sorry. Japan will allocate 20.7 billion yen or $141.1 million as an additional relief package for the fishery industry amid China's blanket seafood import ban following the release of treated radioactive water from the Fukushima nuclear plant, uh, PM Kishida said Monday. 
yesterday. The support measures will include steps to increase domestic consumption, ensure the sustainable product of seafood, mitigate reputational damage, and secure the development of strategies for finding new overseas markets, as well as make sure there's sufficient provision of swift and thorough compensation. All that stuff. You don't really need to read into it too much, but I think that um, uh, this might quell the opposition to the release, uh, where the fishers will say, oh, as long as we're getting some money, then that's fine. We'll, we'll, we'll shut up. Uh, but if you weren't giving us any money, then all of this radioactive water would be a problem. So you see... As long as we get some money, we don't care about the water. <laughs> it ceases to be a problem. That's the whole silly thing behind it. It's all silly. It's all ridiculously silly. It's, it's like, okay, release all the water then as long as you're giving us some money. We'll stand here until you give us money, claiming that it's going to damage the environment. And then you give us some money and we go away and now the environment isn't damaged anymore or we just stopped caring about it. The threshold has been met for us to stop caring it, caring about it because fuck those fish. We got us some money. And that's really what it's all about. Um, so the whole thing is silly. That's, that's going to be the, the, the Fukushima thing for today. Next, we're going to take a look at Japan Society 5.0. The fourth industrial revolution will enable us to create a new society. Artificial intelligence will transform the big data collected through the Internet of Things into new wisdom. Society 5.0, a technology-based, human-centered society. industrial revolution will raise our standard of living and solve various challenges we face. It will, for example, free us from the stress of driving, allowing us to safely visit anyone, anytime. We will have so that's from the Japanese government. Their Japan Society 5.0 is a kind of a branch of the government. They always got plans going on there. And this goes back a few years now. And I ran an AI class at a Japanese telecommunications company for five years, and some of my students were pretty high up in the company at this at this telecom, and they were negotiating with the government for you know spectrum, um, and they were working with the government as well, and they were working with the government on this Japan Society 5.0 stuff. So I'm kind of familiar with it, and it's been like five or six years now of just. Looking at it, looking at it, looking at it, looking at it. And I don't know anyone else that's looking at it. So the really the key factor of this podcast is looking at how the technology is being kind of captured by elites and then allocated to people like you and me or people who are, or if the elites are listening to this podcast, how the elites are hoping that we use it and really love them for the decisions they're making for us. Um, and we got a couple of things for today. The one is um, uh, not as not as dark or deceptive as it is. And I'm not against all this technology. I think AI and IoT and digital twins and all of this um, uh, future technologies and the network and how the, we can have like a, a, a real-time reflection of a data in a, in an internet type space for understanding how hot things get and how to mitigate problems and repair rail lines before they get broken with 
AI imaging cameras and stuff like that, there are companies that do it and do it really well. In Switzerland, for example, with the railroad example, it's these aren't like lofty, um, insane dreams when you look at how we put the technology onto items. But when they want to put technology into our brains or try to manipulate our behaviors and stuff like that, it gets real Looney Tunes real quick. So for me, the advocacy of this podcast is to take those te- take all of this technology and apply it onto things and allow the individuals to use it in a framework where we can benefit, use it to benefit ourselves rather than having elites decide everything for us and then push it into our brains to try to understand how we're going to behave and then tax us for it. And for some reason, it's, that's just what happens with these people and it all fails and it never goes anywhere and everybody hates it anyway. So these are the two, the two sides of the equation as far as, as far as I can see and, I'm one of the few people on the planet that analyzes it in such a way. And the, the good version that I'm going to focus on today is coming to us from the University of Tokyo. Let's go start from my alumni, the Japan News by the Yomiri Shimbum. Uh, we'll see how much this, this gets into the details, but it doesn't really matter. University of Tokyo researchers developing full-body electronic skin to measure physiological data and analyze with AI. I didn't know they used so much capitalization there. An international team led by researchers at the University of Tokyo has begun developing full-body e-skin, which covers the entire body with a suit embedded with electronic circuits. Just by wearing the e-skin, physiological data such as heart rate, muscle movement, and posture can be measured, which is then analyzed by artificial intelligence to detect signs of illness. The team plans to complete the full-body e-skin in the late 2020s, 2020s after testing. So, electronic skin composed of thin, soft plastic with sensors and electronic uh, circuits can now be used practically to measure brain waves, take electrocardiograms, and collect other data when it's stuck to the skin. However, data can only be obtained from the area where the device is attached. This led the team of researchers to, to, to start developing a full-body e-skin to measure the entire body. Um, you get the idea. The, um, the reason I'm putting this in, in the good category is that, yeah, it's putting it on the human, human which is it sounds counterintuitive to what I'm saying is the good thing, but it's analyzing our brain waves, but it's not trying to figure out the inner secrets of the human to determine its consumer buying patterns, for example, which is what some people advocate for. Instead of having, um, in the future, the hospital run by robots, um, there's going to be robots. The hospital near me already has self-driving wheelchairs. You just hop into a wheelchair, touch on a panel where you want the wheelchair to go, and it will drive through the entire hospital and take you right there. That's a robot. But um, the idea of paper charts on every bed that we're going to see in the future is probably not going to happen. And in a, in, a lot of, in a lot of hospital rooms where there's a lot of people, robots are still pretty clumsy and they, don't, and they make mistakes. And humans don't really so much in comparison. So the plan is to have the hardware be the humans, essentially, and then uh, apply software onto the humans so that the humans essentially become the mobility factor of the robotic revolution. The 
e-skin that you would put on this human would transmit wirelessly all of the patient data to um, a nurse or a doctor walking by with an iPad. You'd be able to, with the nurse or the doctor, go up, touch the person on the screen and uh, connect to their hospital bed where their e-skin is on them. And then the nurse and the doctor via tablet would be able to see the situation of the patient right in front of them and share that information between them and it would be changing in real time. The heart rate, brain waves, the pressure, all that stuff. And so by having it monitored electronically, you might still have circuits that go out, but having people always write the same numbers down over and over and over again, that leads to human error. And um, the situation in the body to the situation to the nurse and the situation between the nurse and the doctor can be changed if human um, tabulation is involved. Uh, misreading a point three to a point five or a point um, six to a point eight, if the person's vision is blurry that day, can also impact how health is monitored. So, by having these e skins connected to um, iPads via Bluetooth or wireless technology, hopefully it's encrypted. If not, you're screwed. Would be a good application of this technology. Um, I think so. But now we have the bad version. Uh, was there a, do we have a bad thing? The bad version. The bad version is massive bureaucratic efforts that aim to get into our brains and change the way we think and feel so that they can pursue dreams that we're not really part of but are asked to be a part of. And for example, at the beginning of this um, segment, has the um, Japan Society 5.0 jingle. The fourth industrial revolution will enable us to create a new society. Artificial intelligence will transform the big data collected through the Internet of Things into new wisdom. Society 5.0. A technology. It's using um, World Economic Forum speak and after doing a few years of research, the economic World Economic Forum and Japan are, are super linked up with each other, and today is no exception. And this is what I think is like the the not good idea of um, Japan Society 5.0, but there's no escaping it because it's already been decided and it's already going forward. So when people when people look at um, the decrease in the value of the yen really rapidly, that actually might be part of the plan. We're, 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 put, we're being put, in those of us living in, in Japan, into situations where our money uh, does not do what it used to do at all. We Buying imported goods, which is what a lot of Japanese people like to do for a very long time, not really that feasible when the yen took a 50% hit over the past couple of years, the 30 to 50% hit incomes are much lower for younger people now. There's far fewer younger people. Uh, Japan does not have the international consumer buying capacity that it used to have. Uh, it still does in some respects, but not in all respects, not like it used to. Um, and part of it's planned, and it's continuing to do so. So the idea of the World Economic Forum and Japan working together 
with the PM Fumio Kishida is, is very tight. And this is from the World Economic Forum website released on July, no, March 3rd, 2021. So this goes back quite a bit and it leads into today as well. Japan launches circular economy collaboration with World Economic Forum. Ministry of Environment Japan announced the launch of Partnership on Circular Economy, the public-private partnership um, between the ministry and Keidanran, the Japanese Business Federation, will enhance resource circulation in focus areas such as plastics. The World Economic Forum's Circular Economy Initiative will help shape the strategy and approach to this uh, partnership. And the announcement made at the World Economic Forum's uh, Circular Economy Roundtable follows other efforts by the country to control plastic use, manufacturing, and waste. Sounds pretty good, actually. It doesn't sound all that bad. Um, Japan is, from a quote from uh, Shinjiro Koizumi, Ministry then of the Environment Japan, Japan is now accelerating the three transitions towards a decarbonized society. We don't know what that means, by the way. A circular economy and a decentralized society to redesign the socioeconomic system. <laughs> they just want to do those three things by the year 2030 and the year 2050. We're, so we are, does, how dystopian does this even sound? Like, okay, putting on e-skin kind of sounds a bit weird in a hospital, but once it's explained to you, you're like, all right, I guess I'll wear this e-skin and improve my chances of um, having my data being more accurately distributed amongst the hospital staff. But what does this mean? I'm going to repeat that quote. Japan is now accelerating three transitions. It's quote. It sounds like a Chinese slogan, doesn't it? A CCP slogan. A decarbonized society, a circular economy, and a decentralized society to redesign the socioeconomic system, said Shinjiro Koizumi. They want to just they want to get rid of it all. That's what they're saying. Um, so that's, that's kind of, um, the world economy, circular economy initiative, the world economic forum, circular economy initiative, sorry, the world economic forums, circular economy initiative brings together private, public, civil society and expert stakeholders. That's close Schwab speak stakeholder capitalism to accelerate the circular transition. In these efforts, this initiative convenes experts and leaders from around the world to advance three key pillars of work scaling. Fourth Industrial Innovation Impact, which is from the Japan Society 5.0 that was made by the Japanese government, uh, engaging leadership commitment and transforming material value chains. These, these efforts can fast track the shift from the current take, make, dispose economy and trigger true systems change. That it's so dangerous what, what these people want to do. And it involves you and it involves me and it involves your kids. It involves our futures, involves our money, involves everything. These aren't conspiracy theorists on 4chan people. These are our leaders and that's what they're doing. Here's a, um, another uh, a PDF related to this. This is a good, well a tie up between. So that was a couple of years ago. And we have it, it tying into things now. Um, this is from Japan 2022, but it's called a multifaceted approach of decarbonization, circular economy, decentralization, and harmony with nature. 
and this is, I'll be posting all this stuff to MatthewPMBigelow.com. You can also make, go there, MatthewPMBigelow.com and find photos, show notes, articles, more, um, including donation options. Uh, just go there. You can also check out Podcasting 2.0 apps. Get rid of your legacy podcasting apps and go with something like Podverse, Podfriend, Curiocaster, more, um, and, and get in with the Podcasting 2.0 infrastructure to circumvent the encroaching uh, approach of big tech and all of their censorious uh, desires. Your Apple podcasts are going to slowly disappear, people. So get on board, Podverse. So this is continuing with the article here. As well as declaring its goal of reducing its greenhouse gas emissions to net zero by 2050, whatever that means, Japan declared that it aims to reduce its greenhouse gas emissions by 46% in fiscal year 2030 from its fiscal year 2013 levels. Furthermore, it will continue strenuous efforts. Oh, they're strenuous. And it's challenged to meet the lofty goal of cutting its emissions by 50%. Taking on this challenge requires more than merely an extension of, an extension of what has already been done thus far. It is necessary. This, this is the Japanese government, mind you, um, talking about this. From where? The Annual Report of the Environment in Japan 2022. Um, furthermore, sorry, the taking on this challenge requires more than merely an extension of what has already been done thus far. It is necessary to provide further support for the efforts of all entities and implement lifestyle changes in order to bring about a transformation in the behavior of each citizen and society as a whole. Furthermore, by utilizing digital transformation and other initiatives, we will continue to work on the sustainable development goals with a multifaceted approach of decarbonization, circular economy, and decentralization in harmony with nature, with the aim of creating a green society uh, in which we and future generations can live with peace of mind. It goes on. And on and on. Key notes is harmony with nature is 30 by 30. It means conserve at least 30% of land and sea. It's all craziness. Approach from the perspective of decarbonization. Um, they have bits, it's all very, very detailed. And I'm not going to read it all here. I have a terrible cold and I'm, I'm hacking as I do this thing and pausing and going as I, as I do it. But, that's all I wanted to say is that Japan launches circular economy with World Economic Forum. We have the circular economy and other things as well. Um, I'm just going to take a second here and cough my brains out. And notice how they want to change the behaviors of each citizen and each society. And like I said earlier, it just doesn't go anywhere. It, it's always wacky and it doesn't make any sense. And this article from um, Zenbird, which is Discovering a Sustainable Future from Japan, has an article from, when was this written? September 2nd, 2023. So just a few days ago. And it ties everything in together that I've been talking about. So when we consider like developments with e-skin or even um, EVs or infrastructure, when it's pointed at the things around us, uh, even with the e-skin, it's kind of pointing at not necessarily our brains or our minds or our psychology. It's just trying to evaluate our body conditions. When it's pointed at that kind of stuff, 
it makes sense. But when it's trying to get into our brains, it comes out as total garbage on the other end. That's the consistent evaluation of me from working in this field for five, six, seven years now. Zero zero disposable umbrellas by 2030. There's that word again, 2030, year. Japan's new environmental initiative. (laughs) While most people dread getting caught in the rain, ICASA's Nature Innovation Group sees it as an opportunity for social and environmental transformation. The company has announced ambitious plans to eliminate disposable umbrellas from Japan by the year 2030 in a new initiative that has already roped in major real estate firms, JRET managers, and 10 leading metropolitan railway companies. The plan also involves new funding from existing shareholders, such as the JR East Japan Group. The initiative, called the Zero Disposable Umbrellas by 2030 Project, aims to address a disconcerting reality. Japan consumes around 120 to 130 million umbrellas annually. Alarmingly, about 80 million of those are disposable, contributing to a significant waste and an increase in CO2 emissions. (laughs) I'll be posting this picture of them. Of, of this group standing on a stage made of plastic uh, in front of um, banners made of plastic in front of giant TV screens made with who knows what's inside of them talking about a sustainable future by them standing in front of umbrellas and saying, we need to dispose of the umbrellas. No, it's just like, we can do whatever we want, but when it comes to you, we're going to get into your mentality and stop you from using it. Um, Comedian Takizawa Shuichi, an ambassador for environmental sustainability, because it's a comedy sketch, you see, drew attention to the pressing issue at the project's announcement. He emphasized the urgency of tackling the sharp rise in plastic umbrella waste, particularly during Japan's rainy season. Imagine that. Imagine it. Quote, the impulse buy. You're caught in an unexpected downpour, so you you grab the closet umbrella, the closest umbrella at a convenience store. But what happens to it afterwards, said Takizawa, shedding light on a cycle of consumption and waste that most people rarely ponder. Launched in 2022, the project targets not just the individual behavior, but also so targets not just the individual behavior that goes directly back to the um, the PDF that I was saying, it says, um, the taking on this challenge from the PDF, from the uh, multifaceted approach of decarbonization, from the an annual report on the environment in Japan 2022, um, we will work to sustainable de- sustainable development goals, multifaceted approach, uh, creating a green society. Oh, where was it? Bring about a transformation in the behavior of each citizen. And that's that's the quote from page one here. And in that news report, it says, the project targets not just individual behavior, but aims for institutional change. With the collaboration of partners active in sustainable development goals and ESG management, blah, 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 blah. So notice that like, okay, the good version of this is you get an e-skin, probably made of mostly plastic, and petroleum products and uh, chips and things like that. It, when you use that on your body, it makes your health situation in a hospital more likely to be monitored more accurately by a wider amount of hospital staff as long as it's encrypted. 
But with this government bureaucracy and SDGs, by the time it, the money gets funneled down and then allocated and trickled into these um, these activists who believe in the future of greenness, they just look at the world around them immediately and say, there's too many umbrellas over there. We're going to spend all of our money getting people to not use umbrellas and instead walk around wet. Or they'll probably say, like, why don't we just make the umbrellas out of bugs? So that's today's Society 5.0 segment. Again, it's always consistent with these two factors. You point it at the world around us or you put it on the data and you get real tactile results because it's all computers and stuff. Like you put data into a computer and it manages it pretty well. But you put like psychology into a computer and it doesn't manage it well at all. So all of these people think that like just because it says AI and IoT, they can just put data in it and like make a kind of like a weird uh, gun and point it at your head and then shoot you in the head with your data and expect behavioral change. Like, oh, now I'm never going to use a disposable umbrella again because some wacko with a bunch of money from the government told me to. It just... It doesn't make any sense, and I'm not sure what these people are going to be doing by the year 2030. Uh, are they just going to be meeting and meeting and meeting and meeting and like wondering why there aren't enough offshore um, wind farms? I don't get it. That's today's Society 5.0. The fourth industrial revolution will enable us to create a new society. Artificial intelligence will transform the big data collected through the Internet of Things into new wisdom. Society 5.0, a technology-based, human-centered society. The fourth industrial revolution will raise our standard of living and solve various challenges we face. It will, for example, free us from the stress of driving, allowing us to safely visit anyone, anytime. We will have access to the latest medical advancements at a low cost, no matter where we are. AI and robots will enhance human ability and expand our infinite possibilities, helping us enjoy more fulfilling lives. Society 5.0 for the betterment of human lives. I'm going to eat all the bugs. Okay, you're just going to eat them one at a time though, okay? Okay. I got one. I got one. I'm going to go catch that one. No, finish the one that you have in your mouth first. All right. And, um, you know, you're going to have bugs made of umbrellas. You may as well have um, eating the bugs too. Um, all of this stuff is connected together. Again, there's no other podcast really looking at it from this uh, angle. So MatthewPMBigelow.com, make a donation. You can use those podcasting 2.0 apps to do so. You can donate Bitcoin through them as well. It's very interesting. Building through protocols or PayPal.me forward slash Japan WUT. This comes to us from a website uh, from Gifu Prefecture, and it's a business diversification into edible cricket production and electronic parts manufacturing process into dried products and powder, business negotiations with confectionery manufacturers progressing. <laughs> they are not good at writing headlines. Uh, 
Hygent Technology in Gifu Prefecture, a member of the Hygent Group that manufactures electronic component, components, is starting producing edible crickets at its Wanouchi factory in Namba, Wanouchi Cho. A portion of the existing manufacturing line has been converted into a production facility, and the first shipment is expected to begin in October. Currently, they are promoting sales to companies in the Tokai region with the aim of cultivating sales channels and developing processed products. In 2021, the company started an edible cricket business at a factory in Yamagata Prefecture. The company is already selling processed products developed in cooperation with local companies. I'm going to stop it there, but that's just showing us that these SDG goals are like these companies that want to decarbonize. I think by having cricket farms, they'll be able to say that they're carbonizing or like they're they're contributing to the decarbonization of the food supply chain by offering alternatives instead of beef and chicken. The um, CO2 emitted by cricket harvesting is much less so that they can maybe be able to get a discount or a tariff or a tax decrease, the tax break on the amount of um, pollution that they're doing or the amount of like steel that they're making. Another one very similar to the one that I was just reading is an electronic parts manufacturer in Ogaki that is challenging the food crisis with cricket production. So why are factories that make steel and other components, all these things, why are they um, now jumping into the food production line with crickets? It seems inhuman. It seems a little strange. It doesn't seem like some farmhand who's like, I developed a new way to make beef tastier and have less impact on the economy or the environment. It's always like, screw you, beef and chicken. You're too much. What we need is crickets made by car manufacturers to reduce the amount of scarcity in the world. You're like, what? Sorry? Like, oh, no, no, no. We get these directives from the government, and we're just trying to manage the um, the the way to progress into the future with each other. You're like, no, I don't need you. I don't need you at all. This next one, I'm just going to read a couple of paragraphs um, from that's the electronics parts manufacturer in Ogaki is challenging the food crisis with cricket production. Um, in response to the increasing risk of a food crisis due to global warming and the increase in the world's population, the company has started an edible cricket business at their Yamagata factory in 2021. The grown crickets are processed into powder and cooked into stew. The company also started this at the Watanochi factory uh, in order to expand the scale and promote the company-based business. Crickets are rich in protein, require less energy, and emit less carbon dioxide than livestock, and are now a new environmentally friendly animal protein. Animal protein. It's translated. So, again, you just notice how it, it, the the reasoning and the approach is all the same, despite them being completely like not located near each other. One's a factory, one's car part manufacturing, but the idea is always like there was a culture of eating bugs. And now we don't eat bugs anymore. So to continue this culture of eating bugs, we're going to not eat beef anymore. And we're going to make cricket powder in these car factories and parts factories. And that way we'll have a sustainable future by the year 2030. Always the same. It's always a, it's a strange plot. It doesn't have any good effect for the future. Are you going to like go to the cricket farm and buy a bucket of crickets and come home and be like, here you go, son. Here's a bucket of crickets. We're being sustainable. I don't think so. Not happening on my end. I, I wish more people would push back against this as well. 
Um, most people don't even know about it, but again, every week I just plug it into the, the search engines and every week multiple articles pop up of this stuff like all the time. Um, but it's always, it's always like masked and like culture and being nice. This is your culture and your culture is nice. So you're going to do it. And everyone's like, I guess we're going to do it. Um, judging what happened in the past three years with the COVID response and uh, how everyone just went along with that too. You can bet your bottom dollar that most people are just going to get in line and they're going to love it. They're going to say to you, they're going to say to me, this is not happening. It will never happen. I don't think it's ever going to happen. Okay, it's happening and it's good. It's happening and I'm doing it. It's happening. I'm doing it. And why aren't you? And you'll be like, well, I told you this was going to happen. I didn't want to do it. And they're like, well, looks like you're just a conspiracy theorist again. You told me it was happening and you were a conspiracy theorist. And now you're saying it's happening and you don't want to do it. Well, that just makes you again a conspiracy theorist. We're just right. We're just right. We're right all the time and you're wrong. So just get with it. Okay. So you're just wrong. We're just going to do it. We're just going to do it. You're going to have miles and miles of people lining up at uh, food courts and malls begging for extra crickets on their hot dogs of made of crickets. It's going to be cricket hot dogs, uh, and then you're going to get toppings of legs and toppings of wings, and then they're going to squeeze out a bunch of um, uh, semen and sperm from cockroaches onto the top and call that uh, uh, nature mayonnaise, nature naze, and everyone's going to go like, I love it. I'm going to eat all the bugs. Okay, you're just going to eat them one at a time, though, okay? Okay. I got one. I got one. I'm going to go catch that one. No, finish the one that you have in your mouth first. Die for the war. Everybody moves. Die for the good. For the good. Die for the war. Die for the war. Um, a few months ago, I was covering uh, Elbridge Colby a intelligence community member from America involved in Asian think tanks and white papers and saying how we need to beef up Taiwan or Taiwan isn't beefed up enough yet and Taiwan needs to be beefed up so that it's ready for war with China so that America doesn't have to fight a war in Taiwan and all these things. He ended up following me on Twitter. Um, Hey, Bridge. Um, his his uh, father or grandfather was a uh, intelligence agency head um, during the Vietnam days in uh, in Vietnam there, uh, and he's the family I guess has not given up on Asia just yet. And I you know he does make some good points. Uh, he doesn't want to see American lives lost, and in a way he's America first. Um, uh, but that just means that people like me in Asia uh, are going to get caught up in these. Um, Asian conflicts and it's not going to be good for me. So I'd rather just not see war break out. Or even if uh, Taiwan is taken over by China, I just say, well, whatever, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, what's Taiwan done for me? I've never met a Taiwanese. I like, you know, I like the idea of Taiwan being a democratic country and following their own dreams and stuff like that. But if they ain't beefing themselves up, maybe I do agree with uh, Elbridge Colby on this. Uh, maybe we shouldn't be rushing to their aid, but, um, Along that same time that I was doing research on uh, Colby and his white papers and other white papers, there was a consistent theme of uh, using Japan as a base for launching attacks 
against the Taiwanese, uh, the People Liberation's uh, army, the the navy and the, and their ship networks there, where Japan wouldn't get involved, but we would be able to use more the Western powers. I'm Western Canadian, so I still say we in that case would be able to use Japan as a launch pad to you know screw around with China and then. What would happen is a whole bunch of people would die. This is my analysis. Taiwan would be, might have some of its semiconductor chips bombed either internally or externally. Um, even if, you know, five people die, it would still cause a massive um, shift in, in relations between China and Japan and Taiwan and Korea. And all of these countries would, in effect, maybe except China, would have to then rely on more on American commerce and supply chains. They would be shattered between themselves and would have to shift back into America to rely on America's um, coastline and, and distribution centers that way. Just the same way that um, countries like in Europe, such as Germany, with the war in Ukraine there and the Nord Stream pipelines being blown up, well, Europe is now importing a lot more um, natural gas from Russia again because it, it's not on the embargo list or the, the, what's it called, the sanctions list. The oil is from Russia. But n nonetheless, what, what America is trying to do is it's trying to um, take advantage of the lack of supply from Russia and supply. So using, Russia's e uh, using America's East Coast as a supply chain network into uh, Europe, America then, with with a catastrophe in Tai uh, in Taipei, in Formosa, there in Taiwan, would be able to um, shatter the relationships uh, between all of these uh, advanced economies in East Asia, Northeast Asia, and Southeast Asia, and then try to reinforce those supply chains back onto the American side, because they wouldn't be able; those East Asian nations and Asian nations wouldn't be able to trust each other after bombing the shit out of each other in a war in the Taiwan Strait. So I'm just trying to say in this situation that um, it's not good, but it seems to be escalating into the direction that Elbridge Colby would like to see. And it's not surprising because he was writing for uh, op-ed articles for the Nikkei Shimbun, um, which is directly uh, connected to in the building there, or right next door, it's like two centimeters away from the Keidan Ren, um, Japanese Federation of uh, Business Associations, or whatever it's called, the business lobby. <clears throat> and um, this is the headline from Japan's top court orders Okinawa to allow divisive government plan to build U.S. military runways. And that's why on this podcast, we analyze not things from a day-to-day -day basis, but from a sequence of the history until now. Uh, and and uh, once the, uh, a point reaches a threshold, we connect that to the other point that reaches that other threshold. No, we're not just looking at Joe Biden said this or liberals said that or conservative was this. I'm not interested in that at all. It actually doesn't help my soul. This type of stuff where I'm analyzing all these points over time leads me into certain directions that I wouldn't have thought of normally. And uh, we were actually pretty high in the, in the chartable podcast charts uh, this month. And so thank you, everybody, for helping boost us there. I think we're up to number 40 uh, in, in Japan there for a while. So thank you. Anyways, Tokyo. Japan's Supreme Court on Monday dismissed Okinawa's rejection of a central government plan to build U.S. Marine Corps runways on the island and ordered the prefecture to approve it despite protests by locals who opposed the American troops' presence. Okinawa is, of course, the southern island chain in Japan, and it's some of their most southern islands on the southern island chain are like 80 kilometers away from Taiwan. 
um, and uh, Taipei there, the city, and the Isle of Formosa. Monday's ruling upheld the court, uh, high court ruling in March that the central government's plan and its instruction for Okinawa's approval are valid. It will move forward the suspended construction at a time uh, Okinawa's strategic role is seen increasingly important for the Japan-U.S. military alliance in the face of growing tensions with China. So going back to what I was saying earlier with uh, Mr. Colbert, Elbridge, Elbridge Colby there, well, the locals in, Ta, in Okinawa right now are having all of their um, desires pushed aside so that the U.S.-Japan alliance can go forward. Okinawa was annexed by Japan, and they have a long history of being independent. And, and uh, there's, a lot, there's a lot of independents there that would like to see even more independence still. But the central government is saying, no, we're going to use you as a runway, uh, as a deterrence, or as um, an active attack uh, to help to help America bomb the shit out of uh, the Chinese People's Liberation uh, Army Navy there. Japan's central government began the reclamation work at the Henoko area on the eastern coast of Okinawa's main island in 2018, but the government later found about 70% of the relocation site is on soft ground. The ground improvement plan requires tens of thousands of pillars and massive amounts of soil, which opponents say would damage the environment. Uh, well, people still go to Hawaii, even though they bombed the crap out of that island to make the deep water port there for their Navy base. It goes on and on and on. All I'm saying is, is that we don't need to know, actually know most of that story. Just the main thing is that um, uh, we see that the intelligence operations are pushing for Japan being used as a runway. And then months and months later, we see that the government suddenly agrees and they say, no, it has to go forward, even though they were saying it has to go forward earlier. So these um, elites move in tandem with each other and they, they inch forward their goals. And now the goal is being set for uh, Okinawa to be used as also what the Japanese government is also good at doing. It's like, well, we don't want the Tokyo to be attacked. <laughs> if, if, if push comes to shove, we would much rather have Okinawa, which doesn't like us anyway, to be attacked. So why don't we just uh, use American uh, uh, army and American firepower um, to divert away from Tokyo? And if, we, if, if a massive amount of Okinawa gets bombed the shit out of it, well, um, at least it's not us. So it's like uh, you're going to chop off you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna hold out your finger so it gets chopped off so that the person you're fighting with doesn't stab you in the face, and that's how um, the government largely sees Okinawa as, as like a sacrificial lamb finger thing. Uh, we're gonna wrap up pretty soon here. That's the war segment for today. Die for the war, everybody moves. Die for the good, for the good. Die for the war, die for the war. We also have some de-dollarization news we're not going to touch today. My throat is finally uh, recovering after doing all this, but uh, this will be the last one for the day. And let's think about this. Let's, we, we began with higher, not high with products, and now we're going to end with higher, not high with services. High. Or not high. We're also going to end and begin with the Mainichi. Japan's national daily since 1922. Japan cab company under fire for tweet playing up drivers' looks and ages. <laughs> September 2nd. 
A taxi company in Niigata Prefecture caused an uproar online with a tweet describing its female drivers as, quote, all in their 20s and, quote, super cute. It has been learned. The firm's official account on X, formerly Twitter, has been suspended. Sanjo Taxi, based in the city of Sanjo, Niigata Prefecture, has three female drivers. President Sota Watanabe, who is running the firm's social media accounts and handling videos, apologized over the inappropriate post and indicated his intention to step down to take responsibility. According to the company, the tweet on August 26th described the female drivers as all being in their 20s and added, quote, Just to let you know, all of them are super cute, end quote. The post drew a flood of criticism online in which users calling it sexist and saying the company was promoting erotism. Another user stated, The post puts the drivers in danger. End quote. The firm's X account was subsequently suspended. The cab operator apologized on its website saying, We regret what we have done, which was unbecoming of an incorporated business. Last year, the Sanjo, Sanjo Municipal Government appointed one of the firm's first female drivers as the city's first hometown tourism ambassador. But she left the post in the wake of the latest fracas. <laughs> so when we talk about sexism, a lot of people think like, oh, those women are just stupid and we hate them. And we want to beat them up all the time. But most sexism is like this sexism. And it's not good. And I don't, I, you know, obviously it's douchey and it's stupid. And it's like, you could say like, instead of saying, hey, they're all in their 20s and super cute, we, you could say something like, oh, we are um, endeavoring to uh, diversify our employment roster or something like that. It's just like, that would be, everybody would look at that and go, hmm, I wonder what they mean by diversify, but whatever, if you get a job, you get a job. But if you, what is this, like some whore site? It's like, hey, all the whores here are in their 20s and they're all super cute. So yeah, bad move, Mr. Mr. Taxi Company. Was he high or was he high? High. Or not high. All right, that's going to settle us for today. Um, MatthewPMBigelow.com. MatthewPMBigelow.com is where you can go to get the show notes, photos, links, and more. Donate at Japan What Podcast. So that's the PayPal link is paypal.me forward slash Japan WUT. Also, get off your legacy podcasting apps, people. They're not good. Go get a Podverse. Go get a CurioCaster. Look it up. Just look up podcastingindex.com and find yourself a, 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 a new podcasting app built on protocols where it even lets you listen in live. People are podcasting live now with these protocols in video and audio. And it directly links to your podcasting app and it'll even send you a notification. This podcast is now live and you can go and listen to it or watch it. It's crazy. And then with the Satoshi element of uh, sending micro Bitcoin payments through the app directly to the podcast creator, it's really a way to embrace this future technology and it gets away from just the crazy amount of censorship because Apple's going to be censoring and a lot of these companies are going to be censoring. They're full of intelligence operators and all they are there to do is, is to 
influence the sway at that time of what their leaders are telling them to do. And it, the, the downstream effect is just nuts. So get onto podcasting 2.0 and avoid all of that. With protocols, you don't have people. You have open source software that streamlines the payment process, the listening process, and the technology process, and it keeps the spooks out. So go get it. Anyways, Matthew P. and Bigelow.com. Thank you for listening to the Japan What Podcast, episode 106. You